this morning we're going to welcome the presence of the Lord into this place. Amen. excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. We are really, really excited that you're here. And uh, one thing really quick, we want to encourage you to check in on Facebook, okay? And if you don't know how to do that, just check into Church on the Rock. And if you don't know how to do that on your phone, just hand your phone to like a junior high kid that's standing close to you and just give them your phone and uh, they'll, they'll check you in. But I think it's a really great opportunity for outreach, letting people know where you're at. But also this weekend, we were just praying about like what we were feeling for the services. And you know, whenever we come to church, it's really easy to think about what you've got to do next week. It's really easy to think about your problems or maybe something you've been praying about. And I want to encourage you, no matter what you've got going on in life, the more you focus on the problems, that doesn't fix them. 
but whenever we begin to focus on God, things begin to shift and change in our life. So whenever we worship God this morning, let's let our focus be on Him and not what surrounds us, not what, we get, what we've got going on, but let's give Him our hearts this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. Come on, let's put our hands together.
Somebody give him some praise in this place. Come on, let's really give him a real hand of praise. We worship you, Jesus. You've set us free, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we've been redeemed. Oh, Lord, we worship you. It seems like all I could see was the struggle. Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. I was bound up in shackles of war. It's this gonna last Then you look at this prison You say to me, son Stop fighting the fight That's already been won Cause I am redeemed Hold on You set me free morning we say lord but when i hear you whisper child lift up your head i remember oh god you're not done with me the first of the year, great time to make a fresh start with the Lord. But if you've never been baptized at the age of accountability where you understand it, uh, I would seriously, I wasn't, I got sprinkled as a child. It wasn't until I was 30 years old I realized that, man, I'd never been baptized and been obedient in that area. So tell us your name and why you're getting baptized today. My name is Pam Foster, and the reason I'm getting baptized is because I want a closer relationship with God. You feel God's presence, don't you? You can just tell. Well, Lord, just stretch your hand forward. Father, we thank you for this servant of the Lord. Lord, for uh, we just baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. 
Be filled with the Spirit of God. Never be the same. Bless her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't have to be the old man inside of me Cause his day is long dead and Cause I've got a new name, a new life I'm not the same And I hope that will carry me home Cause I am weekend and praying over 2016, God told me that this is the year of the prodigals. What is a prodigal? It's someone who has turned their back on God and have walked away. You may have prodigals in your family, children that have turned from God. You may have loved ones, a spouse. You may have uh, parents that are not walking with God, friends. But this is the year of the prodigal to return. And let me tell you, it's because of your prayers, because you standing with them and believing for them. We are going to call our prayer team forward. And during, as we continue in worship, we're going to pray with you about anything. Whether you need healing in your body, you need a financial breakthrough. But we also want to pray with those of you that are believing for your prodigals to come back to God, to have their lives turned around. And so I'm going to invite you forward to come and pray with our prayer team this morning. All the saints and angels.
before we sing this bridge, in Psalms 141 and verse 2, the Bible talks about our prayers being counted as incense before the Lord. So as we continue to worship, let our worship just rise to the Lord as we sing this. Oh, Lord, day and night.
sing this one more time and we're going to bring the music back. I want us just to slip our hands to heaven and I want us to lift our voice as we declare the greatness of our God. We serve a good, good God. Amen. And then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou How this morning give him real praise we bless your name he is worthy amen well, why don't you turn to two or three people this morning tell them how happy you are to see him in the house of the lord and then sings my
Welcome to Church on a Rock. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. You can either drop it in the offering or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. We offer Saturday night meals and snacks between Sunday services. And don't forget, the coffee bar is always open. We're so glad you're here and we hope that you know there's always a place for you at Church on the Run. years, Family Research Council has been fighting for your faith, family, and freedom in Washington, D.C. Do you believe people should be free from fear of government punishment simply for standing for what they believe in? Join us in 2016 for Free to Believe. The Free to Believe webcast training conference is designed to equip people to stand up and champion religious freedom in your city. This is a hands-on and how-to event at the grassroots level. Learn from Tony Perkins, a host of national experts, and hear the stories of brave men and women who are fighting for their religious freedoms in America. Free to Believe. Coming to your church via webcast on Saturday, January 16th. Go to freetobelieve.com forward slash conference to get started. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock for the month of January. Our midweek Wednesday night service is the perfect opportunity for you and your family to grow in your relationship with God. We offer a variety of Wednesday night classes for anyone and everyone. Check out the ministry guide to find a class for you. Your kids will love our amazing Wednesday night children's program in Kids Zone and youth program at Powerhouse. Mark your calendars. For Wednesday, January 13th, Pastor Travis Jackson will bring a powerful message. On January 20th, we'll have a night of prayer and worship. On Wednesday, January 27th, we have our free hamburger meal and life group promotion night. Also, during the month of January, we are starting the year right with our new year, Next Level, as we seek the Lord with the Proverbs Challenge and prayer and fasting. The week of January 17th through 24th, we are asking everyone to commit to a week of prayer and fasting. Pick up a new year, Next Level flyer for more information. Amen. Doesn't it feel good pressing into the Lord together during this worship time? Amen. You know, we're taking a whole month of January to really focus on our relationship with God, pressing in, drawing closer to God. And so look at your bulletin as far as corporate prayer times and that week where we get really get specific in our prayer times and fasting. So be a part of that and let's all draw closer to God. Also, it's the time of the year our new ministry guide comes out. We basically are on a kind of a semester system like the school system, and we're getting ready to do for our spring semester, which will start in February. So today's the day to really get your information. And if you want to lead a group, get it to myself or my wife, and we can get it in this bulletin time. You can start a group any time of the year, but it's good to have it in this book. And also, really be praying whether you need to lead a group or not. 
Uh, some of you, maybe you're taking some time off, and we just do it a semester at a time. We actually have somebody that's offered their home. We call that a host home. Now we just need a leader to go in there and lead the group. And I don't want to say leader. That sounds kind of overwhelming, but really it's just a facilitator. All you got to be able to do is start a DVD, ask three questions at the end, and say, hey, let's pray together. And that's what it is to lead a small group. But you know, the small groups is where most of us really do our growing in Christ. It's not in the main service. When we get together, we sharpen one another, we ask questions, we pray for each other. So that's a great way to grow in the Lord. So uh, hopefully you can start one or join one this following semester. One other thing, this is kind of a win-win thing for all of us, I think. How many would realize the church is growing? And that's why we have Imagine More, making more room and space. But we're limited in our sanctuary. So one good thing you can do is we can get about 50 people to move to Saturday night, which is an exciting service. And by doing that, you just won the fact that you got your whole Sunday free. And you also won the fact that we freed up seats to make more room for guests that come on Sunday. Amen. You can be the big winner, right? Anyway, we are glad that you're here. Uh, it's no better place to be than worshiping the Lord together. Amen. It's offering time, and real quick this morning, I want to give us four reasons why we tithe. How many people know that when we give, man, it's not just something that we do out of obligation, but there's power when we're obedient to what God says, amen? So four reasons why we tithe. Number one, we tithe because it's a principle in the Bible. Hello, how many people want to be obedient to what God wants us to do? In the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus affirms this, but we're called to bring our first fruits to the storehouse or our first fruits to the church. If you make $10, then you're supposed to give a dollar. It's that principle. Amen? The second reason that we tithe is because it honors God. Matthew chapter 22, verse 21 says this. Jesus says, render to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what is God's. Listen, the tithe is the Lord's. It may come in on our paycheck, but that is God's. And the Bible says that it's holy unto God. Listen, when we do what God wants us to do out of obedience, we're honoring God. And you know what? That's also an act of worship. When we worship God, we're obedient to God, we're honoring God. That shows God that we love Him, right? We show God that we love Him by keeping His commands and following Him. The third reason that we tithe is because it's a part of our heritage. You go all the way back to Abraham, the patriarch of the whole Jewish nation. Abraham gave a tithe. Ever since then, for thousands of years, believers have brought their tithes and offerings. Listen, every week we get to be a part of what God started a long time ago. Amen? I want to challenge you parents, when you write that offering check, let your parent or let your kids know what you're doing. So we raise up the next generation of givers. Uh, the last reason why we tithe is this, to help spread the gospel. How many people know the reason that we are here and there's air in our lungs is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? There's a lot of people in this city that need to know that Jesus loves them and they're separated from God, but Jesus came to restore them. When we give our money, I'm telling you, we turn that money, or God does, into ministry all over this city. This is a year to give. This is a year to bless God with our first fruits and see what God does. Amen? It's the beginning of the year. Let's start the year off right. God bless you as you give. Yeah. 
We just want to say today that we love you. Just let the Lord hear you say it out loud. Lord, I love you. And Lord, I want you to be my daddy. I, I, I want to, to know your goodness, whether or not I knew it on this earth and my biological dad, I know that you're good. And I just want to walk close with you, Lord, as we go into this new year. Come, Holy Spirit, today. I, I just give you the right to just shape me and mold me. And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to me in a real special way this morning. Welcome today, Lord. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. I want you to just say, Lord, would you just speak to me today? Would, would you just, in a very real way, just reach out to me and let me know you're near? In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Well, he is good. Hey, tell two or three people, our God is a good God. Come on, tell two or three people this morning, and then you may be seated. Well, praise the Lord. It is a new year. It is great to see you. The new year is probably the perfect time of the year to make changes. My daughter was so convinced of this. Last week, she uh, ceased being a miss and became a missus. <laughs> <laughs> And she's uh, uh, got a text this morning, back from their honeymoon, headed this way, and she'll be back in the kids' zone next week, she and her husband, Mason. But, you know, this is a time of the year when we're thinking about things. We're thinking about, uh, you know, our finances, maybe saving more for retirement or kids' college or, you know, we're thinking about our health, getting back in the gym or I started juicing again, you know, exercising and just kind of doing things to help foster health. There may be family commitments that you're thinking about making. One of your family commitments was, we're going to worship the Lord together on, on Sunday. We're coming to the house of the Lord. Because, you know, the most important changes we make in our life are spiritual changes. Because how many know, listen, whether I retire with a little or a lot, bottom line is one day I'm going to leave this planet, but it's not eternal. I don't care how much you juice or how much you exercise or how many times you go to the gym. How many know one day your days are over and that's, you know, it's kind of gone. But what's happened spiritually in our life lasts eternally. And I want to begin this morning a new series called Awakening. And this word awaken, I looked in my original Webster's Dictionary. Awaken is a term that means to be roused from sleep. It's what you did this morning when you got up, you woke up. 
But it also is a term that has a spiritual or moral connotation. It is to wake up spiritually. Uh, the word awakening meant a, a revival of religion. In other words, we understand that to be a revival of, of, of reading the Bible, of seeing the Bible as God's Word, of following its precepts, of walking with the Holy Spirit, of finding God's will for our lives. It is an awakening that comes. Uh, when I'm using the term, I'm, calling, I'm describing it as a spiritual wake-up call. It is to go deeper in our spiritual life in 2016 than the past. It is to serve the Lord this year and to do what He's called me to do. Because how many know every one of us are one year now closer to the second coming of the Lord. We're one year closer to standing before God to give an account for our life. It's a glorious thing, but I don't want to stand before God empty-handed. I, I don't want to stand before God having missed what He called me uniquely to do. This is the time of the year to, to shape that. For others, it may be a time to wake up, literally. I mean, we could have been cold-hearted. We could have been backslidden. We could have just kind of let our spiritual life lapse, and it's a time to, to re-engage. How many know our, our nation is in great trouble? And I'm going somewhere with this. Our nation, the last few years, has literally borrowed, um, well, not borrowed, but we have created trillions of dollars of phony money. What we own is worthless, and our economy now is arguably is in the shape that it was seven or eight years ago. The, many economists think we're about to go into another financial bubble. Uh, we're in trouble. There's violence everywhere. We see violence on our streets. Our president wants to, and many others, call to take guns from people, and that'll solve it. And at the same time they do it, we're buying more guns than we ever have before. I mean, something is going on in our culture our Supreme Court this year has, has broke ranks with the, the foundational understanding of what marriage is that has founded Western civilization. It's like we're a nation that's confused. We're a nation that's we're in trouble. We don't know what's right and we don't know what's wrong. We're, we, are, we, are, we don't know the difference between a moral life and an immoral life. Something is, is wrong with America. And at the same time, we're coming into a presidential election year. And I guarantee you, we'll all get sick of politics before it's over. But when it's kind of starting anew and we listen to fresh voices, hope emerges in our heart. Because we all want to change. But let me tell you this, friends. A politician can't change what's broken in America. What's broken in America is a spiritual problem that demands a spiritual awakening. The only thing that can turn this nation around. We have had arguably four what's called great awakenings in America's history. This series that I'm doing called Awakening, this morning I'll talk about a personal awakening. Next week we'll talk about a church awakening. And the week after that we'll talk about a national or a nation awakening. We're talking about an awakening to God, but America has known four in days past where she was headed like we are today down a troubled pathway, but all of a sudden people began seeking the face of God, calling out to God. All of a sudden churches became alive and their influence spread out in the community of the world and the nation turned back to God. How many believe that could happen again? Yeah, I do too. But here's what I know. The nation will not have an awakening that begins in the White House. How many know the awakening begins in the church house? But the church house will never be awakened until you and I personally have an awakening in our spiritual life. And the text that I'm using for this series is found in Romans 13, 11. Paul the Apostle writes, This is all the more urgent, and notice that word urgent, 2,000 years ago. He said, For you know how late it is, time is running out. Say, so what's he talking about? The time of the second coming of Christ. 
Let me remind you today that life on this earth is not perpetual and eternal. One day it will come to an end for me as an individual, but also for humanity. And Jesus will come and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven and hell are real places. We're going towards that destination. And Paul said, time is running out. And notice what he said. He said, everybody say it with me. Say, wake up. Wake up. Awaken yourself. There's some level of this awakening that comes from heaven, and there is some that I somehow cause my heart to be open to receive from God. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. And this is my hope today. Just as you woke up to come to church today, you, you got out of bed. How many know you went through a period of, of sleep, whether it was six, seven, eight, nine hours, whatever it was, whether it was an alarm, an internal clock, or you know the TV came on, whatever the case is, but you woke up and you changed and you put your feet on the floor and said, coffee, coffee, or whatever you say when you wake up. I just, it's just coffee, I mean. It's not Mountain Dew, it's just coffee. But you woke up. You got ready, you put your clothes on, you, you came to church. Something happened when there was a change of your state, a change of your being. There's a spiritual wake-up that we're going to talk about today. I want to begin with a video of one of our church members, actually a couple, uh, Tracy and Chris Lilly. They were here in last night's service, but they're going to share a bit of their story, and I think it'll resonate with you, and then we'll begin our message called Awakening. I had every addiction that there was possible. I just could not grasp who I was in life and where I belonged. I was losing everything. My life was a mess as far as back as I can remember it. I can't look back at a point where I just really thought that I was happy. I had every addiction that there was possible because that's what I turned to. First treatment center was for eating disorder, bulimia, um, probably the closest to death that I've ever been. I left there only to not turn to anything other than pills, drugs, alcohol, which landed me in three other treatment centers in the next 10 years. I was losing everything. I was losing my life. I had pretty much lost my family and at this point was losing my children. But the saddest part I think about all of that was I had no ability to care. When I had pretty much lost my husband, we were separated at the time and I think he pretty much not only gave up, but he did give me to God. He started coming to church on the rock. Um, he came without me, without the kids. I gave in, and he, after he started coming to church, I came, but I came by myself. I could not understand the love and the compassion that everybody at this church had, but I knew that it was something I wanted. I remember sitting at the end of the service and them doing the altar call to come to the cross. I could not make myself go up there. I just couldn't. So I sat there and I sat there. Everybody started clearing out of the church and I sat there by myself. And I finally felt this pull unlike anything that I've ever felt before. And I, next thing I knew, I'm at the cross in front of the church and I finally said, Lord, Lord, protect me. Take over me right now. Forgive me, forgive me. I really wanted what everybody had in this church. Okay, so I remember this. 
very specifically, I fell to my knees and I said, Lord, I surrender and I repent. I repent, please forgive me for everything that I have done, but I need you to fight for me, Lord. And I heard these words. It was unlike nothing I've ever heard before. And it said, I've been fighting for you your whole life. Now, are you ready to fight for me? I walked out of church on the rock that day, a changed woman. And everything that I could do, I wanted to do for the Lord. Wow, wow, wow. You can sit across the table with friends and talk about religion and argue religion. You can go to a philosophy class in college and, you know, talk about the pros and cons of different religions. You can have friends that are agnostic or atheist, or you may be, but how many know you can't argue with a changed life? You may argue philosophy, but you can't argue with what happened to her. To me, I'm using the word awakening there. Maybe you're here today, and if you heard what she said, she talked about her troubles, but then she said, I felt something drawing me to the cross. It was not a building, it was not joining a church, but somewhere in the midst of what we do in this experience, it's what that cross represents. It represents the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Only Jesus can give you the, the rest, the peace, the purpose that we're looking for. And if, that's, if you find yourself where she is, you may be as down as she was or you may be as empty as she was, I want to suggest to you the starting awakening that you need is to commit your life to Christ. And we'll give you that chance at the end of the service to do as she did, to fight that feeling, to run out of the building, but come to the cross. And did you hear what she said? She said, it was almost like I heard something say, I've been fighting for you. Well, what was that? That was the Lord, the reality of God, reaching out to her and transformed her life. It happened to her. It can happen to you and I. But listen, when I use the term awakening, I'm not just talking about a salvation experience. I'm talking more broadly. I'm talking, for example, what Peter had. Peter was one of the inner circles of Christ, Peter, James, and John. And, and when Jesus was arrested, Peter ran away like a scared child. The next day, he denied Jesus three times. But church history said something happened to Peter. He came back. He led the church on the day of Pentecost, and ultimately he was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. How can that be? How can a man going from being scared to death and running away because of fear to facing all the fears? An awakening. Something happens on the inside. John, the revelator, had this. John, a part of the inner circle, he didn't have a problem that he was running away from. John was a captive. He was on the Isle of Patmos. He was a prisoner. But the Scripture says in Revelation, on the Lord's day, he was in the Spirit. He was worshiping. He was drawing near to God. And the Bible says all of a sudden he had a vision. And in this vision, he saw what would be written down as the book of Revelation. I call that an awakening, not because if it went from bad to good, but someone pressing into God and some revelatory experience, some expression of the Holy Spirit in their life came to them. It was an awakening. Maybe you are a person like Zacchaeus. You remember he was kind of the, the worst of the worst. If you can imagine a shyster lawyer, a crooked politician, and a, and, a, and a greedy IRS agent, and you wrap them all up, that was Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, and he, was, he, he knew something was missing in life. How I many know there's just some things money can't buy? He knew it was missing. He stopped to hear about Jesus. 
And when he heard Jesus, he said, Jesus spoke to him and said, hey, I'm coming to your house today. And something transformational happened because he told Jesus, he said, hey, everything I've stolen, I'm giving it back four times as much. And think about this, for a man that loved money and found his identity in money, he said, I'm going to give away half I've got to the poor right now. How could that be? Awakening. Awakening. There was a man that you may identify. We don't know his name. He's simply called the Gadarene or a man from Gadara. He was called a maniac. We call him today a crazy person. We call him insane. This man was so troubled that he lived in the cemetery. He was violent. He cut himself. Jesus came by and something happened. Next thing we hear about this man is he's normal. He's in his right mind and he goes home. You say, well, how can that be? I mean, he didn't go through therapy. He didn't go through the, to the hospital and thank God for those that try to help us. But I want to tell you, there's someone that can do what drugs and hospitals cannot do. And, and this man had an awakening. So when I'm talking about awakening, there's a common thread that we see here is they all had an encounter with God. Whether they were running away from God, didn't know God, or whether they were deeply spiritual, there was something more in their life. An awakening. This awakening, my friends, I suggest can happen to all of us in 2016. It's not mystical. It's not spooky. Most of the time, it does not come in an unexpected fashion. It doesn't come when we're watching HBO, you know. It will probably not come when I'm sitting in the duck blind. It will probably come as I am drawing closer to God. There's a promise that I want to build this series on today. It's from the book of James. James says this, if you come close to God, God will do what? come near to you. Now, now think about this. If you will simply come near to God, God promises that he will meet you. And what's the result of that? It's an awakening. And this is what I want to talk about today. I wish I could just preach a sermon like a revivalist, like an evangelist, and all of a sudden the revival happens. I, I can't promise you that. I wish I could say, come and line up and we'll pray for you. And, and, and then I guarantee an awakening will happen. I, I can't guarantee that. But here's what I can say. If you will follow the pattern of Scripture and begin to pursue God, begin to come closer to God, if you will begin, as I'll say today, put God first in four different areas, you will find that you are in position. Because when it was time to write the book of Revelation, God didn't have to look far. He already had a man that was in pursuit of him in a prison, and God said, write the words that I'm going to give you. And I suggest to you today by your very presence in the church house this morning, it could be God pulling you and drawing you to a higher and deeper place, to a place of purpose in your life, to a place of letting go of the past and and yesterday, to a place of finding true meaning in life, friend. It happens in an awakening. So let's speak this morning. I want to share with you four very practical things that you can do and I can do that, that get us in a position for God to come and visit us. Let's begin Mark chapter 1. The first one is to seek God during the first part of your day. Everybody say the first part of your day. First part. How many morning people do we have here? Let me see your hand. Okay. God bless you all. How many not morning people here? Let me see. Yeah. It takes a little little coffee, a little Mountain Dew to get going. All right. Well, let me tell you how Jesus started his day. And I want you to think a minute how you start your day. From the time that the alarm goes off. How many times you hit the snooze? Uh, do you throw something? What do you do? How does your day kind of get going to, 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 to what purpose are you following in your day? Well, Mark 135, it's very insightful. 
Scripture says, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Now, that was Jesus, but it would probably be okay if you get up at 10 o'clock in the morning. Let's start thinking 930. How about that? Let's just start. That was a joke. I don't have my little sign. But, but, but let's just start thinking somewhere early in my day. Jesus, get up. He leaves the house, and he goes to a solitary place where he prayed. He goes to a solitary place, and then he prayed. Now, how many know a football player? A football player, uh, this, actually this afternoon, this big game coming up on television. Um, it's, I think it's in Minnesota, Wisconsin, somewhere up there. I think probably Minnesota. Uh, less than zero degrees. I mean, it's going to be pretty cold out there. But there's one thing you can observe in that game is before every play, there's a defensive huddle and an offensive huddle. Before the special teams go out on the field, there's a huddle with the coach. Well, how many know that if Christians would have a huddle with Jesus to begin their day, the day would turn out different? That touchdown play that you're going to see today, it doesn't come by accident, but it comes, it comes when Christian people begin to deliberately put God first in what they do in their lives. I'm going to read something to you, and I've lost it here. I'm in trouble. Oh, I got it right now. What do you do when you wake up? I want to suggest to you the right way to wake up, to position you for awakening, is somewhere between wake up and the shower. If you would just simply say this, say, good morning, Lord. I I want my life to be in your hands today. I'm putting my life in your care. I want your will to be done in my life today. Now, I don't care how many cups of coffee you have or when you have it, but if somewhere the orientation of your day starts with, Lord, I'm in your hands. Lord, I want to come alongside you. I'm not asking you to just go with me, whether we're going to work or going to the duck blind or going to school, but I want to go with you where you're leading me today. I want you to lead me to and through school and lead me to and through the fun I'll have and lead me to and through work. I want your purpose done today. Sometimes before you get in your car and go to work or school, I want to encourage you to open your Bible. I got it. Open your Bible and begin to read and and take some time to be with God. We're doing this Proverbs challenge where you simply, I think today's the 10th, you read Proverbs chapter 10 and and then share it with a couple people. I'm doing this with my family, and I'm going to tell you what my 16-year-old Rebecca wrote a couple days ago in Proverbs 6. She says, Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? Proverbs 6, 27. And here's what she said. She said, a person cannot commit a sin and expect there to be no consequence. That's gold if you have a teenager. Because they recognize there's something the world doesn't recognize any longer. It's sin. In the name of tolerance, we don't talk about sin any longer. But God does. And there's consequences for it. This same girl, you know, she's... she's, we talk enough, I know enough that some of her friends are they're experimenting sexually, they're drinking, they're doing drugs, they're doing the same things that many of us did when we were teenagers, and I'm concerned about her, I'm concerned who's influencing her. And she says, Hey Dad, she said, I see what's happening to their lives. I see the way their lives are turning out. You think I want to end up like that? Where does that come from? I have hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I know the difference between right and wrong. She says, even if the Lord can forgive all our sins, we shouldn't do anything that we know is wrong. There will always be a negative side to our sins. We've got to walk with the Lord daily to steer clear of everything that can harm us. 
Now, I want to tell you, friends, his word is like fresh bread. His word is as good as a homemade biscuit with sausage on it. Are, are you with me today? His word is as, is as good as loaded hash browns with crumbled sausage and, and onions and jalapenos and, and mushrooms. So if you ever invite me for breakfast, you know what I want. And tomatoes and, and bell peppers and some, uh, some salsa on top of it. His word is food to us. You don't get food like that from Good Morning America. It's not out there. This is the way we start our day, in the Word, seeking God in prayer. Isaiah 26 said, In the night I search for you, and in the morning I earnestly seek you. Do you think it's possible that if we started our day that way, if we were in pursuit of God, that we might have the awakening, come on, that we hope and long for? Yeah, I do too. Give the Lord a good hand. Yeah. Let me give you another one, and I think this is the most important part of the message for someone that wants their life life to be lived in a way of having significance. It's in Luke chapter 2, but I'm going to illustrate it this way by saying Jesus wants to be first in everything. If I want an awakening, I'm going to encourage you to have an orientation to life where Christ is first, not because of obligation, not because I'm scared, but because I want to. I'm going to show you a little picture here. Uh, my wife has had this little notepad on her refrigerator probably for a year or two years. And I've used this piece of paper, write down groceries. Maybe someone calls on the phone and giving me some information. I'd write that down or whatever the case is. But for some reason, perhaps it was the Lord, I looked at this this week. And what does it say? Things to do after I pray. Let me tell you how most prayer goes. Lord, you know I got a big meeting at work today. I sure would appreciate if you'd be there. Uh, Lord, we'd sure like to kill a lot of ducks this morning. And uh, would you please, would, 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 would you please help us in that? N nothing wrong with work and duck hunting, but most of our life is lived with we're just kind of living life, and we're asking God to just come along. And it's like, Lord, we want you to go where we're going. There's a different orientation between Christ as Savior and Christ as Lord. Now think about this: the passage in Luke two. It's a Christmas passage. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. a Savior. How many know we need a Savior to save us from the consequences of sin? Who is Christ the Lord? The Lord means to be master of all. And i got to be honest with you. The biggest challenge, I've been a Christian ooh, since 1976. That's a long time. I've been in Christian ministry over 30 years. But the biggest challenge I face is who's going to be Lord in John Miller's life. And I can tell you, just being a Christian 30 years doesn't make Christ Lord. It's a battle I fight every day of my life. Am I going to serve King John or King Jesus? If you were to go to the cardiologist or heart surgeon, I, I, I doubt they've ever seen this, but I'm sure it's there. There's a little throne that's on our heart. And there's only one person that can sit on that throne. Either I'm going to sit on it or Jesus is going to sit on it. There's only one person that can drive a car. Someone can give directions, but only one is behind the steering wheel. This little, the, uh, we were born sitting on this throne. You don't believe me? Go to the nursery. Last night, we had a great Saturday night service. I mean, it, was, it, it just was packed. And I want to encourage you, as you see today, there's not many seats here. If we want to reach more people, we have to shift a little bit. And if you'd be willing, a hundred of you maybe, go to Saturday night or Sunday first service. Well, anyway, last night, Rebecca's in the nursery, and uh, she said, Dad, that there were 18 in the preschool. Pre no, in the nursery. Oh, 18 in the nursery. 
She said, Dad, I, and one of the workers didn't show up. I had one on the left hand, one on the right hand, and then I'm trying to get somebody else. But how many know those nursery and those preschoolers, there were 23. How many know preschoolers, little Gabe's age, you don't have to tell that child no. It just comes out. You know, when they want something, that beautiful baby just screams. Why is that? Because they're on the throne. And the same throne is on my heart today, and it is the most important thing I could suggest to you about, about a, a, a spiritual outpouring, a transformation, and it is embodied in the Lord's Prayer. The first petition in the Lord's Prayer is, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Now, look, does that mean you can't go duck hunting? No, you can, okay? I'll go with you. Does that mean you can't turkey hunt or you can't have fun or you shouldn't have a job? Absolutely not. But as I go and do all these things about life, Christ is number one. I don't go to my job just to make money. I go there because that's my place of influence. You see, on my hobbies, I'm influencing. Everywhere I am, come on, I'm doing what the little list said. I am simply doing things after I pray. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Yeah. Let me, let me give you another one that is intensely practical. And mind you now, that orientation starts when you get out of bed in the morning by simply saying, Lord, I give you my day. Lord, come and be a part of my life. Here's the third one. It's very practical, but highly significant. It's simply this. Give God our first and best. Everybody say first. Give God our first and best. Now, let me tell you a problem that is in my life and perhaps it's in yours. 1 Timothy 6, 10, it says, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now listen, some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. Now look, we've all got to have money. If you think you have too much, give some to me. You, know, you understand? I mean, m money in and itself is not a bad thing. But, but here's the deal. Money and things can become more important than God. My job and the esteem that it gives me, the money I make, it can become more consuming than serving the Lord. My hobbies can become more defining. Again, I, I, I love to turkey hunt. But as long as I'm putting God first, listen, he wants us to have an enjoyable, abundant life. But here's the problem. If I start out the new year committed to God, if I'm putting God first and in, in, in best of my ability, I offer to teach a class or do a life group, and it's going great. But long about March, when turkey season opens somewhere, I hear the call of the wild. And I begin to invest my money. i got to get a plane ticket. I'm going to Wisconsin. No, I'm still going to Florida for an Osceola turkey. And, and then I'm going to South Texas and, 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 and for a Rio. And then I'm going, where am I going next? I'm going somewhere. I'm going up to Wisconsin. And before you know it, I've taken three months of my life. I quit teaching my life group. I invested all my money in the turkey stuff. And before I know it, I have an idol that's grown in my heart that's taken the place of God. And that's where the problem is. It's not God giving us things. 1 Timothy 6 says God gives us things to enjoy, but the problem is, is when they become first and God becomes second. And God has a solution to turn this around. It's called tithing. The first of what I receive, I return to God. Now look, if you think I want your money, give it somewhere else. Don't give up any here. I want your heart. Listen to me. Uh, the Scripture says in Leviticus... It says, a tithe of everything from the land belongs to the Lord. It's holy. It's not just a way churches pay their bills, but it's a way that I recognize God's provision and ownership of my life. 
See, we don't have a problem. Well, we probably have a problem, but we don't fight it when Uncle Sam takes money out of our paycheck automatically. Come on, and you never see your Social Security, .0765, or you never see those taxes. They just take that. But God wants to establish ownership in our material world. He said it again in Malachi. Bring the whole tithe, the tenth of what God puts in your hand. Bring it into the storehouse. That's the place where you're spiritually fed. Another powerful scripture in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. I'll tell you what it meant in an agrarian society. When the tomatoes began to ripen, the watermelons began to ripen, the corn began to ripen, before they would eat and boil that first corn. And how many love fresh corn from the garden? Come on. Give me some squash and new potatoes. and Yeah, there you go. And fresh tomatoes. But the first ones that were ripe, they would pick and they would take it to the temple. They would take it to the sanctuary and they would bring it to God. Why was that? It's because they wanted God to bless the rest of their crop. It's because they wanted to tangibly recognize that God put this in my hand. You say, preacher, why are you taking one of your points this morning to talk about money when we want to talk about awakening? I'll tell you, my friends, it's this. Because giving can produce a spiritual awakening because it changes our heart. And didn't Jesus himself say, where your treasure is, there your... So if all my treasure, come on, is in my turkey gun and my turkey trips, there's not much left for God. If all my treasure is in my car that I'm restoring, if all my treasure is in the sales at Dillard's, you're getting so quiet on me today. I'm telling you, if you just want to practically make a step for God to be first, open your heart to Him. And what you'll find, I tell you this, friend, last year someone invested $25,000 in putting up, finishing a children's church building in Haiti, and every report they got, they just felt this overwhelming sense. And they don't have a lot of money. They took it from their savings. They said, God told me to. And every time they saw it, they felt an overwhelming sense of, this money has made a difference. Come on. But my new car, my new stereo, one day it's going to be replaced. My big screen TV, one day it's going to get broken. But what I do for God's kingdom is eternal. And something happened to their spiritual life because they let God be a part of their material life. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let me, uh, let me uh, last point. Again, putting God first part of our day, first of my priorities, Jesus is Lord. Putting God first in my material world, and here's the third one, worshiping with other believers the first day of the week. Now, stay with me. We're going to broaden this. But Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it was the pattern of the early church. It said, on the first day of the week, we gathered with local believers to share in the Lord's Supper, and Paul was preaching to them. It was a pattern. The Jewish Sabbath was Saturday, the Christian day of worship, because the resurrection was on Sunday morning, and they would regularly gather together. Now, Hebrews, a warning in Hebrews applies equally today. It said, don't stay away from church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. And then it says, do this even more as you see the day of coming, uh, the day of his coming. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. Why? Why should what we're doing today, why should your involvement with a small group of Christians be so important? I'll tell you this simple reason, the presence of God. Yes. Now, let me illustrate it this way. Think back of the video that we heard of the, of the young lady's testimony. She said, I came to church. I'd been to 
four different treatment centers. But something happened when I came to church. What do you think it was that happened? I'll tell you, friends. It, she had an encounter with the presence of the Lord. Listen, you can have an encounter with God in the bar, but it's just not very often that that happens. I mean, you may be sitting there, you know, and you may be, you know, looking at the other people getting drunk or high or whatever, and, and, and God could convict you. He could pull you out of there. But usually you don't go to the bar to get convicted by God. Usually you go to the bar to get drunk. Yeah, you're with me today. Come on, don't look so holy out there. 99% of us have been there, including me. You don't go to the bar to meet with God. You come to his house. And it was something in his house that pulled her to the cross. Last week uh, after my daughter's wedding, I collapsed and I took a week off and I stayed home. But I went to church with you last Sunday. We do streaming and, I, and we've got it on our app. And I was, I was going to church with you in second service on my phone, uh, watching my father-in-law preach. But, but guess, it was just not the same. It was not the same. You know, I did two little errands around the house. I think I fed the cat uh, during church. Uh, I did something else. And when worship was going on, I was just watching the phone and listening rather than engaging. I'm telling you, something powerful can happen in the presence of God. I don't mean the mystical or the spooky, but I mean the reality that God is near. Didn't Jesus himself say, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. My friend, that's where awakening might happen. Let me give you something else about this thing called church. It's not just something I do once a week, but it's the place I come in crisis. Acts chapter 4, you know the story as we wrap up. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John went to the temple to pray, and they prayed for a crippled man, and he was miraculously healed. But then the same Jewish people that crucified Christ said, hey, shut up. Don't ever do that again. If you keep preaching this Jesus, we'll kill you. Now, what did they do after that? They didn't run away, but notice what it did. It said, as soon as they were freed or let go, Peter and John yeah, returned to the other believers. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. What were they looking for? Awakening what were they looking for? They were looking for something spiritual from heaven. They were looking for heaven to come down from earth to help them do what they knew they needed to do. Because mind you, if they had shut down, if Satan had been able to stop them, Christianity would have stopped in its tracks. Christianity was only a few days old in this passage. Now billions have been affected, but it could have been shut down right now if they'd not had an awakening. They went back to the church, and notice what it says. They hear the report. They lift their voices in prayer, and here's what they prayed. They didn't say, Lord, make them leave us alone. They said, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. Servants don't only know him as Savior. They know him as Lord. Give your servants great boldness in preaching your word, which is our primary purpose as Christian people. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs be done through the name of Jesus. And after this prayer, awakening. The meeting place shook. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They preach the word of God with boldness. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Something, awakening can happen when we gather in the house of God. Awakening can happen when we call for prayer in the middle of service. A miracle can happen. Several weeks ago, there was, a, there was a man, I hadn't seen him today, but he pulled up in a wheelchair. We prayed for him in the service, and I saw him last week, and he wasn't in his wheelchair anymore. 
He said, doctors told me I would never walk again. Are you here this morning? I'll point him out to you next time I see him. But he was then, he was on the, the little crutches, and then he took them off, and he said, and I'm even starting to walk without them. And he says, doctors have never uh, told me I'd never walk again. What, where'd that happen? Right here when somebody was praying for him. I'm telling you, awakening can happen in the house of God if we'll dare to put him first. Now, here's my question. We're going to close. We're going to take a peek at, at the second part and hear from the husband in the video. But my, 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 what I'm going to ask you at the end of this message is two things. First of all, there may be those of you here that don't have a relationship with Christ. If you died today, you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. And you need to make your step to the cross today to believe God for a brand new beginning. It can happen today. For those of us that are here that are Christians, whether we're serving the Lord or, or whether we're, you know, kind of cold in heart, wherever we are, whether we're passionate or somewhat in between, I mean, no, we all need an awakening. And we'll get a chance to respond to that. But take a peek at this husband and what he said. Because how many know it's hard to stay home when your spouse has gone off the deep end? Listen to what God did in his life, how he went deeper and he had an encounter. I said, I guarantee you, if you dig through your bag, there's going to be a pile of pills and she's taking every one of them. I literally had just, I'd give up. I'd given up. I'd given up. I mean, there was, we couldn't get along. It was hurting our kids. She went to her grandmother, so it was just me and the kids. A friend of mine, Jason Roy, gave me a book for Christmas probably two years ago, and it was just a daily devotional. And we had had a rough day, and I came back from lunch, and I sat down, and I read one page of that book, and there was a piece the rest of the day. And I mean, I'd read every book there is that the bookstore sold to try to repair a marriage, try to fix addiction, you know, you know, rebuild trust, whatever it was. And I mean, and none of it, none of it helped. I mean, because even though she was as far gone as she was, I mean, I wasn't much better. If she provoked me, I attacked. And I mean, that was just, that was our life. And that was every day. I mean, it wasn't healthy or any of that. And then after I read that devotional, you know, there was a peace. And that's pretty much when I said, okay, you know, life as we knew it, is not working. It hasn't worked for a while. I went to the lawyers, you know, I paid the lawyer retainer fees to, to start all that, and my main concern was getting my kids. I just kind of turned it over to God. You know, I would say a prayer for her at night and, you know, a prayer for the kids, you know, and, you know, had faith that everything was going to be okay. And I pretty much, we had pretty much lost communication. I mean, I didn't want that anymore and I mean it was not good for either one of us so we had just pretty much quit talking and I got a phone call one day when she was out at her grandmother's wanting to talk and said she had agreed to go to treatment. I mean there was still a lot of damage you know as far as trust and what was going on and me you know I was sitting right on the edge of the fence going you know I want all this to be real and you know but I felt like she could fall off either side and we'd be either real good, we'd be right back where we were. And man, we came back from treatment and, you know, we've probably got a healthier marriage now than, you know, we've ever had. The kids are great, we're great. I mean, we're involved in church. We've got, you know, the great church friends, life groups, you know, Monday night worships. You know, you can do whatever you want on your own, but until you open the Bible, I mean, you're, you're powerless. Neither one of us can take credit mm -mm. for anything that's happened with us kids. 
anything like that because, I mean, if it wouldn't have been for God and it wouldn't have been for this church and the people in this church, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here today. I was ready to quit. That's where he started. We'd just given up. But then somebody reached out to me. How many know he had to take that devotion, he had to read it? Yes. It's a first step. See, their story, I knew them about three months. We talked to her, talked to him, but at some point just kind of felt helpless. But they just kept following God. They just kept trying to give God a chance. People kept praying for them, witnessing to them, sharing with them. And all of a sudden, something starts happening on the inside. Something starts happening, and there's an awakening. And today, there's a healthy couple together. Their kids have a mommy and daddy, and now they're starting to share with other people what God's done in their life. That's an awakening. And it helped them personally. It's helping us today. We put their testimony in the internet. There was like 5,000 views in four or five days. So now it's starting to spill out into the community and in the world. You see, if it doesn't start with us, the church is not going to be awakened. And if the church is never awakened, the community and the, and the nation will never be awakened. But it just could start with us. And it could start with you and could start with me. If in a very fresh way, I'll put him first. So if you're here today, listen, and you want to simply say with me today, God, I want an awakening in my life. Whether I'm in a ditch or doing good, I want more. I want you to stand to your feet with me right now, and we're going to sing this through one time. And as we're seeing standing, you're not standing for me, but I want you to just look up towards heaven. I'd probably close my eyes and just say, Lord, I want an awakening. I want more than what the preacher can do for me. I want what God can do for me. Welcome, our faith is in you. Far and wide, oh, but I awaken us, oh God. We're all searching. Awaken churches all over Texas, Kansas. Only Awaken a nation that's turned your back on you. Shake us, God. Help us get out of bed and wake up. Good, good, good father. father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Come on, just sing it with all your heart. You're a good God. You love me. You've got plans for my love. And I want them. It's who I am. It's who I am. Thank you, God. So, Lord, we're just coming before you right now and asking you to help us. Help us start this tomorrow morning to wake up from our day when we get up in the morning say Lord I give you this day let your will be done in me help me Lord open my Bible and read Proverbs and share it with somebody help me take a moment to begin to pray and, and, and whether I turn the radio off in the car or pray in my bedroom or wherever but help me take a minute to pray and so then I'm just simply doing what the prayer list says during my day Lord, would you help me to learn how to make you Lord of my life? Come on, pray that right now. Say, Lord, help me make you Lord. I'm grateful for the Savior, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. Lord, help me have the courage to put you first in my material world. Help me, Lord Jesus, to honor you with my first and best. 
And Lord, help me make priority, not just of Sunday, but the experience with other believers so I can experience your presence and find a place to go in time of need. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Come on, give him a big hand today. The Lord Jesus is worthy of our praise. Seriously, right now, why don't I, I really need about 100 of you to think, hey, next Saturday night, I'm going to try it. I don't know. Check it out. Or Sunday morning, make a place for somebody. But let's close this way. And I want you to hear me because remember a minute ago, I said I'm going to make a chance to pray for you. I want you to look at me just a second, if you can, just eyeball to eyeball before we go. Because in this next moment, somebody's life's going to change. Something as dramatic is going to happen right here in this room as happened on that video. I want to ask you in just a second, I'm going to have our prayer team come up one last time. They'll sing one more chorus and then dismiss. And I want to encourage you, if there's anything the Holy Spirit has really put His finger on in this message, and you want somebody to pray with you, give us a moment to do that. Particularly you that may feel like there's a crisis in your life, like they had a crisis in their life, and you know only God can help. Maybe this is your first step. But I also asked a minute ago, said that I would pray for people. We'll meet you at the cross. If you need to commit your life to Jesus today, if you know that what's missing in your life is that you need a Savior, and there's a beginning place as a Christian, just like if you want to get on a bus and go somewhere or an airplane, I mean, no, you got to get on the bus or you'll never get there. you got to get on the plane or you'll never get there. The way to get there with Jesus is to simply receive Him as your Savior to commit your life to Him. And if you're here and this is what you need to do, you need to meet Jesus at the cross, just like that young lady did, we'd be honored to pray with you. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ. I need His forgiveness. I want Him to be my Savior. Lift your hand up real quickly. Let me pray for you today. God bless you. Come on, give these people a hand right now that are lifting their hands. Come on, God bless you, God. Others, God bless you. God bless you too, pal. Come on, you're committing to Jesus. You're not joining this church. God bless you. Somebody else say, pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ. You say, well, why are we doing this in public? Here's why. Jesus said, if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before the Father. But if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And there needs to be a step away from where you were and a step towards Christ. Let me ask you again. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ. Anyone else? Lift your hand real high. God bless you too, guys. God bless you. Somebody else today. Say, pray for me. All right, our prayer team is coming right now. They're going to begin to sing. If you need prayer for anything, you come here. You that lifted your hands to commit your life to Christ, come on over to the cross right now. We want to pray for you. Whether it's a first-time commitment or you're recommitting your life to Christ, come over to the cross. We want to pray for you right now. Come, let us pray with you. You that lifted your hands, come on up. If it was with a child, mom, dad, bring them on up. Let us pray with you today as you make a step towards the Lord. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm 
Well, our prayer team, they're going to remain around front. Hey, they'll be happy to pray with you for anything that you want to pray about this morning. But if not, hey, you're free to be dismissed. And we look forward to seeing you and hope you have a blessed week. You are perfect in all.